Good morning. How are you all? It was an interesting week. You guys good? You guys good? That was pretty, pretty weak. You guys good? All right. All right. Great. Let's check your wake. Please go to Judges chapter 7. I'm going to continue in the series that we're on, and uh, I'm just going to jump right in for the sake of time. And uh, this is our fourth week in the book of Judges. We're going through the story of Gideon. How many of you have been here in the, the last couple of weeks for this series? Most of you, right? Okay, that's helpful. And we're talking about the church in this hour, and um, many years ago, the Lord started to speak to me about this text, became one of, uh, in a sense, a regular favorite text of mine, and I've said this every week, I do see it the way I look at it as a, a blueprint of a people that are away from the Lord, returning to the Lord, and actually there are many lessons and truths and keys in here. In 1 Corinthians and in Romans, the Bible tells us to go back to the Old Testament and look here, read it with New Testament lenses in a sense, and there are lessons and warnings and encouragements and exhortations and things that we can take from here that are for today. And I see this text prophetically as where, in a sense, the church is today, and, um, and I see a blueprint here. And it doesn't mean it has to follow this exact method. It's not like that in the kingdom. But I see a blueprint here for, you can call it revival or awakening, for a people that are returning to the Lord with all their hearts. And the Lord said, when he, the prophets would declare, looking towards the New Testament, they said, don't rend your garments, rend your heart. And it's about the heart. And so we've been in Judges chapter 6 for three weeks looking at Gideon, and the people were, as we know, subdued by the Midianites, and they began to cry out for the Lord, and the Lord raises up this guy, Gideon, and he encounters the Lord, and he worships the Lord, Jehovah Shalom, it's one of the revelations of God we have in the Old Testament, amidst war, and he starts to worship the Lord amidst war, and then he goes, and he's up all night, which we went through in a kind of a funny way, but that's what happened. And he takes his father's bull and cuts down the wooden altar and kills the bull and sacrifices. It's quite a process. But for us, he's up all night bringing down strongholds that are over God's people. You remember? And what was the response of the people? Offense. And they're an offended people. He's doing it for them. They're an offended people. They don't like it. They want to kill him. And as we said last week and the week before, the enemy's response when he starts to lose ground will be division wherever it is, in a home, in a marriage, in a nation, in a church, in a region, in a state, when he starts to lose ground, he will cause division. That is his weapon. And, and so we also see that when Gideon encounters the Lord and builds an altar and worships, worships the Lord, Jehovah Shalom, he didn't then, in a sense, receive the mantle. He didn't then have his name changed. That's his identity. He didn't, in a sense, have the anointing come upon him. That happened after the moments on the mountain with God, God says, do something. When he actually went and did it, that's when the anointing of the Lord came upon him. And for the first time in a generation, and I'm just recapping, that's why I'm going fast. You can see it in Judges 2.7. It says, an entire generation will be raised that has never seen the authentic spirit of the Lord with his people. It's like they're busy doing church but they've forgotten the Lord and His ways. And the Spirit of God descends upon Gideon. And the people who wanted to kill him just before that suddenly see the Spirit of God again in their midst. It happens to be upon a man, but they see something that that generation had not seen before. And the ones who wanted to kill him suddenly get behind him and rally to him and rally behind him and follow him. Because that when the authentic, when the Spirit of God, when the authentic Spirit of God is in a sense when it comes in a, in a way that you can see and taste and touch and the counterfeit is exposed instantly. Or what was less than, you see, you see clearly in those moments and they suddenly saw, that's our God, that's who we are, that's whose people we are. And they suddenly got behind this man who they wanted to kill a couple minutes before. So, uh, yeah, only the Lord can do that. So then we came to the sign of the fleece. I'm not going to touch that. You know, I just want to say, you know, it becomes common language for people to say when they're praying and they're looking for a decision, 
who knows what I'm saying, who's heard, heard it before, well, I'm just going to put out a fleece with the Lord. Listen, that's awesome that you can do that, and because and God will meet you there, and He'll speak to you there. But may I also remind us that this is because Gideon is still learning to hear. It, it's not something, in a sense, to have all the time. It's as we're growing and as we're learning. It's, you know, to, to have it as, I'm just going to put out a fleece for the Lord and see if He answers. That's when you're growing up, and that's good. But Gideon didn't keep doing that. You guys with me? It's what he was doing on the way. So I hear it a lot, and I just want to encourage you. God will always meet you there. But there's beyond that where he speaks, and you know his voice. And you're like, yes, Lord. And it's not a big battle and a wrestle and the doubts, and that's okay. But that's why he did that. So we're gonna, we did three weeks in Judges chapter 6. We're going to do Judges chapter 7, hopefully, in one week. So now you're all praying for me, which is wonderful. But I want to put a lens on Judges 7 for us today, and it's important. The people are assured now, they were not before, they are assured that the Lord is with them. They have the Spirit of God in their midst, They've wor- the worship has been restored, idols have been torn down, think about this, strongholds have been removed, they remember what it is to be the people of God, there's been a healing within God's people, so there's now a unity by the Spirit, and unity by the Spirit is different than unity through agreement. It's your hearts are knitted and joined with people in a supernatural way. It's like even when you disagree, you don't care, you love one another. It's a spiritual unity. This has happened, so genuinely, genuinely, everything's changed. But on the outside, nothing's changed. The Midianites are still there. The people of the east are still there. The Malachites are still there. But within God's house, everything's changed. It's what we would reference as revival. Within God's people, everything's shifted. Everything's changed. It's a, you can sense it, the presence of God, the voice of the Lord. Everything is crisp. They're operating as a team. They're working together. They are, they've come together. But there is a transition. Judges 7, for me, is a transition from revival to awakening. Because even though they're strongholds and they're idols and they've remembered their God, and that's all changed, but the region, the Great Commission, the region around us, those strongholds are still there. So it's like God's people have been impacted and changed, but what they were called to for us, it's the Great Commission. It's not to go and start a war with someone. What they were called to, it's all still within the four walls of the church. God's moving with us. This is wonderful. There has to come a transition. It is why every, I believe, it is why I'll say most revivals end. People say revivals end because of sin. I don't believe that. They end because we just keep it here. He comes to revive the heart unto purpose so that we can go into the nations of the earth and proclaim the gospel. It's, so he revives. So that's happened, but it's all still within the four walls of the church. The society hasn't changed. Society has not been transformed. Everything's the same on the outside. So I said it like this, and it'll come up behind you. Judges 7, if we can see it, and if we can believe it, is how we move from private to public. It's how we move from revelation, oh, I've had a revelation from that, that's amazing, to actually renewal, to now I've changed the way I think, and it's impacting people, not by force, but by love, and by the power of the proclamation of the word. From revival to awakening. Revival is for God's people. Awakening is for the world, to wake them to life. Hello? Mm. I thought that was a great point. So... Um, an awakening church, the church in this hour, Judges chapter 7. Let's go read. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, sees his, his new identity now, and all the people who were with him, says they were with him. See the difference? They wanted to kill him. So God's house has been unified. God's house has seen him again. God's house remembers him. But what, now what? It's like when God's really moving in a church or in a city or in a region, the question should be, Lord, this is amazing. What do you want us to do? Not just let's do it again and again and again. He will continue to meet you there. He is that good. 
what are we going to do with this, Lord? What do you want us to do? It says, then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Those are words that a believer should never utter. My own hand has done this. My own hand has saved me. Now therefore, the Lord speaking, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them there for you. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. It's kind of like, why don't you just give me the whole plan, Lord? He's like, no, I'm just going to tell you that. He says, uh, so he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog. That's... Thanks, Lord. Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men. But all of the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you. And Gideon said, no, it's, it's the other crowd. It's that bigger one. He said, no, by the 300, I will save you. And deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent them away, all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, back to where they were encamped, and retained those three, and he retained those three hundred men. Now the camp of Midian was below them in the valley. So lessons of an awakening church, signs of an awakening church. What are things that we can look at this and learn and see? Firstly, Awakening church, church that is beginning, has been, there's been a revivedness in the heart unto the Lord and to each other. First thing is they walk by faith, not by sight. It's all through the New Testament. We walk by what He says, not by what we see. Because they've worshipped within a contradicting circumstance. They've worshipped peace amongst war. Now He's teaching them to make decisions the same way, practical decisions. Walk on what I say, not on what you see. Sounds, we hear it a lot. Everything I'm going to say today, we all know. They knew it, but now they began to do it. To walk by faith and not by sight. He says this, lest the church or Israel claim glory for itself. I wonder if the church today would see a winnowing down of the army, a depleting army as a good sign or a bad sign. Because it's what the Lord was doing. How many could see it? Because in the natural, it makes no sense. There were three groups of people, people of the East, Midianites, and, and the Amalekites. One of them, the Bible tells us, was 135,000. They had 32,000. They were already like, well, okay, so what we got. And he's like, way too many. Makes, it makes no sense. Those are the people who have just rallied behind Gideon because the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. He blew the trumpet according to the Lord. He told him, so they rallied. Now the Lord's like, mm, go away. It makes no sense. Because people who walk by faith, genuine, not, I'm not talking name it, claim it. They've heard the Lord. They walk on His words as if they substance. They think different to other people. It's not by what they see, it's by what he said. And it's not easy. You see the wrestle here. But these people are, learn, are learning to walk by faith. But then the Lord takes it further. He says this, how's this? Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me. That's a hostile word. Against me. Saying, my own hand has saved me. Throughout the Bible, any covenant... It is so important to the Lord 
And we're going to ask why. It is so important to the Lord to make sure that we know He did it, not us. Throughout the Bible. Why? Is He glory hungry? It's like, well, it belongs to me. No. Does He want people to walk around feeling useless and have no confidence? No. He's like, I made you. I made you. You're wonderful. You're made of my... No. Does he, not, does he not like to share? Have you ever think about it? Why? Who's thought about this before? Who's asked that question? Great, seven of us. <laughs> it's a great question and I'm glad you asked it. Because this issue of the glory, you know, we don't want to take his glory, it's not because God is insecure. It's not because God doesn't like to share. It's because that inclination in man comes from the fall of man. And it will never be satisfied. And God knows that. In the fall of man, what happened? What was one of the first things that they did? Actually, the first thing that they did. They said, we can fix it. We'll make clothes. We'll sort it out. I'll do it. We'll do it. Don't worry. We got it. And it comes from what? It comes from the nature, actually, of the enemy. When the enemy fell, the Bible describes the fall of Satan. He uttered five statements before he fell. And I've said this numerous times. I call them the five I wills of the enemy. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights. I will be like the most high. I will, I will, I will. And a person with that nature inside builds things or does things from themselves, I'm the source. I'm my own source. By themselves, I did it. I've heard many people, you know, that song, I did it my way. Yeah, it's, it's a great song, Frank Sinatra, but terrible words. <laughs> I did it. I built this by myself. And I did it for me. From myself, by myself, for myself. This comes from the Garden of Eden. In the church, it's self-righteousness. But there's only two types of righteousness on the, on, the, on the earth. The righteousness of God, which gets imputed upon us through Christ Jesus. That when we stand before Him, we will actually have His righteousness. That's why self-righteousness stinks to the Lord. But in the church, it's the self-righteous issue. I can do it. In the world... It's ambition, self-accomplishment, but it comes from the same place. Am I preaching? You guys, you guys with me? The enemy would have us separate in our everyday life. Lord, thank you for salvation. We know you can do it. We know we can do that. It's by you. We thank you. That's wonderful. Oh, I'm saved going to heaven. That's great. Then we walk out of the closet or wherever you pray, and you're like, all right, but everything else, I'll take care of everything else. My work, my this, my, I'll do everything else. You did that, I'll do everything else. So the Lord says, that's why he says, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me. It's actually a hostile thing. And I can imagine them saying, no, Lord, it's fine because we've been, we're in revival. We know, we know it's not us, it's you, we get it. Look, the altars are gone. Every, we're in a good place with you, God. It's like, mm, yeah, I know you better than you. So, I made you, I know you're better than yourself. Let's just not have that issue. He's saving you from you. It's actually His grace and His mercy. And that's why He says, lest Israel claim glory, lest the church think that they did it when I did it. It's an amazing thing. When the glory goes to the Lord, truly, when the glory goes to the Lord, it is the only way for whatever was torn down, for whatever darkness was defeated, for whatever was built that is good, for whatever altar that was built, for whatever company that was built, for whatever new life in a family, for whatever is built or whatever was defeated, when the glory goes to the Lord, it is the only way to keep it defeated and to keep it built. That's why the scripture says, unless the Lord builds, the labor, laborers labor in vain. So they're still doing things. But if they don't understand that it's the Lord through them, everything they build will crumble. That makes sense? It's an amazing truth. All through the Bible. All through the Bible. And the battle to win here in this place 
when this awakening church is beginning to learn to, we understand walk by faith, not by sight, we know the verse, but to actually do it and to actually, what does that mean? And sometimes the battle and the struggle that comes, the battle in the heart to win in this place here is offense. It's offense. There are more opportunities, sorry, there are more opportunities for offense in this one little text than you can imagine. Offense at the leadership. Can you just imagine? He sent those away. He said, if you're afraid, go home. What was his issue? Fear. Even later on, the Lord says, I know you're still afraid. And yeah, he stands up as a leader and says, listen, if you, if you fear, like, you know, like a little weakling, if you struggle with fear, you need to go. He's afraid. That's probably quite humbling for that guy. In today's culture, wouldn't last. Issue, canceled. You're afraid, you're telling us you're, that he would be canceled like that. Canceled. Oh, help us, Jesus. But offense. They could have been offended at him, at leadership. He sent them away. And it is actually the text that leans to the fact that the ones who drank a certain way were more military prepared. Not, you just don't go put your face to the water. He sent away those who rallied behind him. Think about that if it was you. I've left my home, I've done a journey, I've come, I'm with you. And he's like, thanks, go away. Opportunities to be offended at this guy, enormous. But God had done something within the heart of his people that they weren't. That's how you know the Spirit of God is there. Why are you sending us away? You drank wrong. Really? Yeah. The ones who drank like a dog, those are the guys. I mean, think about it. We read it. Imagine being there. Offended at each other when the 22,000 people leave. How do you think the 10,000 remains felt? Why are you leaving? There's hundreds of thousands. You're going to leave now? Yeah. I'm afraid. Well, I'm afraid too. I just don't want to be honest. <laughs> Offense at the Lord. He called them dogs. At every opportunity. Offense. Offense. They didn't take it. They didn't take the bait. That's how you know the Spirit of God is amongst these people. There will be offense now. Made possible. Easy in the house of the Lord, in the nation. Don't take the bait. Offense is the enemy's weapon when the church is remembering their God and beginning to actually walk by faith. Actually do it. That is his weapon. And he wields it well because it's so easy for him. That's so easy. But when the heart is awakened unto life and we see differently, oh, it changes everything. Imagine them asking a question. Why, why are you telling us to go do that, Gideon? I don't know. He didn't. God didn't tell him. He said, I will test him there for you. You know, you, they go to the leader. They're like, okay, we'll do it. We love you. We'll do it. Okay, we trust you. But why? I don't know. You don't know what you're doing? Apparently not. So many opportunities for offense. And he was obeying the Lord. That's a kind of trust that doesn't come natural. Hello? Yeah. Help us, Lord. Let's read further. What happens? But it happened, verse 9, on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp. Arise is actually probably because he was asleep, by the way, in the Hebrew understanding. This was most likely a dream. He was walking by faith. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father in a sense. Mary's husband had, I think it was five dreams in the process of that whole, the birthing of Christ. And it says, every time it says, and the next morning he did, or the next morning he went. It wasn't like I had a dream, I'm going to phone 70 people, I'm going to make sure. He had a dream. There was fellowship and communion with the Lord. We think of it like an angel appeared to Joseph. It says, I came to him in a dream. You see how far away the Western mind is. This was a dream. 
And he woke up, got out of bed, and began to go do something. Amazing. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. You want to see grace? Look at this. But if you are afraid, and he was because he did what the Lord said to do if he was afraid. If you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant. He was afraid. He went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley, as numerous as locusts, and the camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore in multitude. So that's discouraging. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. What did Gideon just had? Dream. Hmm. He said, I haven't had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. How many of you think that was the enemy speaking through this, you know, uncircumcised Philistine? No, the Lord spoke through a guy who did not acknowledge him. Hello, in your Bible. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. So, what does an awakened church begin to do when God has revived us? We go into the enemy's camp. I'm going to spend most of the rest of the day speaking about this. He says, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. So an awakened church that has been stirred actually begins to invade. That's not a nice word, but that's what it is. Not physical today. We understand that, please. Don't go to your neighbor and say, this is mine. It's not going to go well. We fight not against flesh and blood. And in fact, when we go to battle, we have to understand that the people that fight us actually are the rescue mission. Until God comes into their heart, and they turn and stand alongside and walk with. And that doesn't mean they're going to agree with everything. But they need a new heart. So, helpful lessons. Firstly, we see victory requires partnership. It's the Lord, but it's us. It's the Lord, but it's us. What did he say? Arise, go to the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. I've delivered it, but you must go do it. It's one of the most profound truths or things that we see in Scripture through all multiple covenants. It's what God said to Moses. I've given them the land, so go take it. In our Western mind, that doesn't make sense. If you've given me something, where, where is it? He says, I have delivered it to you. What does it mean? What, what is this? How does it work? He said, I've made a decision in the unseen realm that is uncontested. It's done there. And I'll be with you so now, because it's done there, you can do it here. You can't do it here until I've done it there. I've done it there. Now go do it here. There's this partnership between Yahweh, El Shaddai, think about it, and you. He designed it that way throughout the Bible. It's him, but it's you. It's him but it's you. It's you, but it's him. It's almost like we are one with him. The prophetic today, there is no longer what we call inscripturation, prophets declaring scripture. That is over. But prophetic and prophets are very much on the earth today. And friends, the true prophetic word is actually so important for this process. What did Paul say to Timothy? He said, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies 
previously made concerning you, Timothy, that by them you wage the good warfare. Did you hear that? Concerning the prophecies, you've received a bunch of prophetic words. They've been given to you for you to wage a warfare. It's exactly what's happening here. I've said it. I've done it here, so go do it there. And what did he go into? A fight, a battle. We receive the real prophetic word. Not name it, claim it, the word of the Lord. And you know when it's real. By that, it's saying, I've done it here, you can go do it there. Doesn't mean it's just going to come like this. Doesn't mean there's not going to be a fight. Doesn't mean there's not going to be a process, a journey. But it's been done there. Big deal, guys. Big deal in the prophetic. I've seen people give a genuine word of the Lord and it doesn't come to pass. People say, oh, they missed it. No. It was done there, but it wasn't walked out here. And we struggle with that. Because our first thought is, well, that just means they can say whatever they want and never be wrong. No, that's not true either. But this is what Paul says to Timothy. Take the prophecies made about you, carry them with you, the words that strike you, carry them on cards if you have to. And when you're going into something, use those. Lord, you said this. It should put such a soberness on people who give prophetic words. That's why in the Old Testament it says, if you prophesy not of the Lord, you shall be put to death. Imagine that prophetic course. How not to die. The true prophetic needs to be restored. The pure prophetic needs to be restored. People can't fight with it if it's not of the Lord. Victory requires partnership. It's you and it's him. It's him and it's you. And then he says, take Pura, your servant. Why? Not because, not for protection. When you go into the enemy's camp, don't go alone. It's not because you're afraid. It's to protect you from yourself. I've seen so many people, drug addicts or whatever. That's just my example because I've dealt with that a lot. They come out of that world. They save for a week. They're like, I'm going to go back into that nightclub. I'm going to get, I'm like, no, you're not. You ain't ready. They'll just pull you back in like that. It's for you. Second, in the enemy's camp, what are some of the lessons we learn in the enemy's camp? We realize there, not before, in the enemy's camp, because that's where he was, that private victories lead to public victories. What did he say? That same night, the Lord said to him, oh, we've heard this before. Let's go back. And he worships the Lord. Now it came to pass, 625, that same night that the Lord said to him, That happened in private. He had this amazing moment. That same night, the Lord said to him, do this, 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 this. Now he has this interesting moment, this winnowing down of the army. That same night, the Lord said to him, he's like, oh, this has happened before. And when he did it before, it was difficult, but he, in a sense, won. There's a victory there. He overturned a stronghold. Something happened. The victories you have in private with the Lord, where nobody sees, suddenly matter, and we go and we tell everyone, I did this, and then this, that's, that's fine, but it's not for that. It's because when there's a crisis in the enemy's camp, suddenly that victory will matter. You've learned something there that comes up in your heart here. At work, in a wrestle, in prayer, with your spouse, there's been a private victory with you and the Lord and nobody else. No one saw. What did David say? I've killed the bear and the lion. Who are you? No one saw that. But then it develops something in you for the public. This is why the mundane routine, the mundane discipline, can I be real? I'm not the best at it. I have to, it's, it's hard. It goes against my natural, I'm just, let's, Go over here with the Lord. And let's, no, no, no. And my dad, you know, he's such a plotter. It's like boom, boom, boom. And God's put people around me to help me with that, to teach me that. Because the disciplined routine, the basic mundane things, 
actually develop something in you for crisis time. And people want to have victory in a crisis without this. Private victories lead to public victories. It doesn't go the other way around, friends. Never does. What else do we learn in the enemy's camp? Watch and listen for the Lord. What did he say? When you go into the enemy's camp, you shall hear what they say. And after you hear what the enemy says, your hands will be strengthened. Hmm. Well, what did he go into? What did it say? All of them, like the seashore, sand on the seashore, a myriad of, of the army. I mean, hundreds upon thousands. Just What's interesting is when it describes that same thing about they were like sand on the seashore. When it describes that in chapter 6, what is the next verse? It says, and they were oppressed, and they were hiding in dens and caves. You see it now? The very next chapter has the same description. They were like sand on the seashore. And there's Gideon, think about it, walking around in the camp with the enemy. He's not looking at how many anymore. He's in the enemy's camp. He's looking for what God told him to look for. He's not even considering the threat. Think about it. He's walking around. He's like Talisa's prayer servant. He said to go and listen to something, and they probably heard a bunch of things. Well, that doesn't strengthen me. Nope. Let's go over here. Sit by this fire. Nope. That's, that's what he did. In the battle, in the crisis, in the enemy's camp, whether that's in your heart, in your life, in your business, ask the Lord, what am I looking for? Because there's something in the enemy's camp for you. And we learn to respond to the Lord instead of react at what we see, react at the enemy. Oh, look how many. That's what they were doing before. Look how many there are. Lord, what are we going to do? He's like, now he's walking in amongst them. What do you want me to hear, Lord? What does he hear? A loaf of barley. Now, I was like, that's not so amazing. It really worked for this guy. A loaf of barley. Really? Uh-huh. Because in that context, a barley loaf was used for the poor, for livestock, for animals, for, it was for the very lowly. What did Gideon describe himself? I'm the least. And he says, I have this dream, a loaf of barley. Gideon's like, that's me. I feel like that. And he says, and it destroyed the whole camp of Midian. And it's Gideon. I mean, think about it. It's... It's amazing. And it says, it tumbled. That word is actually overturned or to overthrow. You know that word where it says it overturned the camp of Midian, the tent? It is used to describe the sword in the Garden of Eden, which turned every which way to defend it. It is used to describe the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. It is used to describe the miracles in the exodus of Egypt. As a Hebrew boy, he would have known that. It is the word that was used for the absolute power of God for total annihilation of the enemy or total miraculous and protection. Absolute power for the change of the natural law, the miraculous. That's the word that that man used. Gideon hears that. He goes, something weak will destroy something strong. He says, oh, thank you, Lord. What's interesting here is the enemy is more aware of God's ability through his people than we are. Think about it. The enemy was more aware of what God could do through his people than his people were. He didn't have to go down. God said, I've given it to you, go. If you need to, go listen to them. You don't have to. When will a generation arise that actually believes God more than the enemy? That is the cry of my heart to see God's people rise and believe Him again. Because the enemy knows more 
than often we do. And what does he do? What else do we do? What, what can we learn in the enemy's camp? He worships by faith. What does it say? And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream, he worshiped. It doesn't say he went back to the church. It says he worshiped. He says, and then it says, and then he returned to the other camp. He worshiped where? In the enemy's camp. What does the Psalms teach us? King David, a warrior. What did he say? Thou layest the table before me. Where? In the presence of my enemy. There is things in the enemy's camp that feed us differently than in the private place. Thou layest the table before me. Where? Over there. Over there. Joshua knew this. He said about the giants in the land, he said, they're our bread. Throughout the Bible, we see men that understood, and women that understood the secret. There's something that's there in the midst of the enemy that I could only get there. I believe, personally, the battle in Joshua's heart was won right here. And this Years ago, a simple belief came to me when I read this. Fear, you don't see it again. Fear troubled this man never again. And a simple belief came in my heart. There are issues that we all have, issues that we face. There is a place in God where they don't come back. And I believe that in my heart. You know, you have an issue and you deal with it, but it comes back two years later. Is it just me? And this, it's something came alive inside me. God, there is a place in you where it is done forever. He never troubled him again because he actually believed the Lord. That thing, that place is in the enemy's camp. Not like you're part of them but to walk by faith, to awaken unto life, and to just do what he says and trust him. There are lessons there. There are things there that are food to your spirit that changes you. That's the truth. I see a man that's been persecuted for his faith sitting here doing this because he knows. He knows it more than I do. So Gideon worships by faith. Why do I say that? I'm going to have to land this. Joshua absconded me before the service about me being on time. See, that was not a true prophetic word. <laughs> you know what the Bible says about that. <laughs> he worshiped by faith. Why? He worshiped God for the victory. Victory hadn't come. You know, some of the songs we sing, we, we worship in faith. People think, well, that's just weird. That's just denial. No. He worshiped God for the victory. Victory hadn't happened. But in his heart, it was as good as done. The spiritual battle was won right there. Then what's the very next thing he does? He speaks by faith. It is the first time that Gideon does it. What, is, what do I mean? He says what the Lord says. He returns to the camp and tells the people, arise, the Lord has delivered the camp into your hand. What did the Lord say to him? Gideon, arise, I have delivered the camp into your hand. This is what the New Testament calls confession. You know what it means? To say the same thing as. Gideon arises, goes back to his people and says the same thing that the Lord said to him, but something changes. He realizes that what God was doing with him wasn't about him. It was about them. The Lord says to Gideon, arise. I have given Midian into your hand, Gideon. Gideon goes back and says to the people, arise. The Lord has delivered the camp into your hand. He's realized it's not about me. It's not about the man of God, the preacher. The, it's not about that. It's about God's people. 
about God's people. And he begins to confess, New Testament covenant confess, to say the same thing as God. It's not name it and claim it. It's not. Because God had said it. So I'll have to close there. I'll say this. Friends, we made it halfway. (laughs) We tried. We tried so hard. Worship by faith. In the enemy's camp, friends, go to that place. Find a place in your life. Find a place in your garden. Find a place in wherever. Worship by faith. If it's in your mind, bring up something that you just like, Lord, I can't see past it. It feels overwhelming. Worship there in your heart. I try to go to a place. Go to that business. Go to that school. Go to that place and worship God there until he speaks to you. And then use that and stand on it and go back and say what he says. I cannot tell you the amount of times. You can ask my wife. I taught this to the young youth. The youth, kids, they understood this. We taught it to them. For real. 16, 17, 18-year-olds, they understood this. They were worshiping at school. They were, worship, they were praying. They were doing things and then going out and seeing God do amazing things. Now, it's not just like that. For you, it's a business. Worship in your place of business. I'm not saying put on music and go nuts and take your clothes off like David. That's not going to go well. It's just not. It's, it's, you're going to get arrested. And, and, and I'm not going to come bail you out. But if you, have you ever felt in your heart, the enorm, have you ever felt the enormity of the issues in my heart? It's like suddenly you're overwhelmed by your own mess. Yeah? And you can't even see through it. It just means you have an enemy's camp there. Worship there. He lays a table there. In my insecurity, in my mess, there's a table there. And I will worship the Lord there in spirit and in truth. And he speaks to me there. And then I stand on that and I say what he says. And I can eat of something that takes that issue away forever. Take your past victories with you like he did that same night. I used to walk around with actual victories. Cancer heal, this, whatever it is for you. Take Pat, where you've had victory before in your own heart, in your marriage, in the spirit. Take, carry them, read them. Read them to the devil if you have to. And then return and say what he says. I hope this helps you. Why don't we stand? Josh, prophet liar. (laughs) (laughs) Come pray for us, bud. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have come before us and made those victories. And Lord, we just ask for a reminder that we can carry with us, as Clayton just outlined, a reminder of all the victories that you've given us, And, Lord, that we may be able to worship in the victories that are still to come. And we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we do have baptisms today. I think there's about six people that are going to be baptized today. An address should be coming up on the screen to my house shortly. Uh, If you are coming, uh, we do have some uh, parking spots in our driveway. If that is full to the right of our Uh, driveway is another driveway. You can feel free to go in there and park. And if that is full as well, across from the post office that you'll be driving by, on the way to our house, there's a parking lot. You can park there and then make your way to the back of the house, 18203 Sands Road. If you're trying to come, it should be up on the screen um, at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock this afternoon are the baptisms. So if you are planning to come and watch or if you're planning to be baptized, please make sure you're there. And the address will be coming up here uh, shortly, I promise. Uh, otherwise, if you'd like prayer for anything, please come over here. We've got our ministry team that will have badges on and would love to pray for you. Otherwise, just go beat the heat and we will see you next week.
Good morning, Free Life Church, and happy Sunday. We're glad you've joined us today. We'd love to connect with you. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us, any need or comments you may have, or how we can connect with you. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you are visiting us for the first time, we thank you, and we welcome you to stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. Our Connection team members are eager to meet you. Wow, it's almost that time for our next encounter night, and so we invite you to join us on Saturday, July 9th at 6.30 p.m. Encounter Night is an amazing time of worship, prayer, and prophecy. Child care is provided. We hope you'll join us for this special evening. Would you like to serve but don't know where to start? Check out our new Serve at FLC page on our website. There are many opportunities to serve here at Free Life, and you can use your gifts and passions to make a difference. Follow the QR code or visit our website for more information. Translation is now available for our Sunday services. Just download the Interactio app, enter the event code FLC, and listen through your headphones for real-time translation. You can also help by sharing this news with someone who needs it. Ahora puedes escuchar el servicio de domingo en tu idioma. Descarga la aplicación Interactio, escribe el código FLC y escucha la traducción en tiempo real en tu celular. No olvides traer tus audífonos y comparte con tu familia o amigos para que ellos también puedan ser bendecidos con el mensaje. Here at Free Life Church, we believe in kingdom giving, and we invite you to give toward the work God is doing. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. Checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. We thank you for your partnership with us. Don't miss any of our upcoming events and important announcements, so sign up today for text updates and our newsletter. Simply text FREE LIFE to 41400. That's FREE LIFE to 41400 to sign up. And remember, to learn about all our upcoming events, please visit the events page at our website. Thanks for joining us today and have an amazing Sunday.